Listening to the Move Swiftly podcast. Welcome to the show. Wonderful to have you. I am 100, 1000, 2000, 3000%. You will be back for more. To my regular listeners, you already know what it's all about, man. We get right to the point and we get these just gems of people that have incredible stories and they do some incredible, incredible work for athletes, from athletes, and not only just athletes, just great, great stories that'll leave you very inspired. And, and today it's no different because this is another lady that I connected with via LinkedIn. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, we're going to be, we're going to be co-authors on the six figure athlete, correct? Correct. Yeah. So we're going to be, and that, and teammates, listen, that's how it works. Sometimes, you know, you kind of just dive into certain things and you're only around like-minded people, people that'll improve you. And I challenge every last one of you to start living your life that way, because you never know the, the, the great things that the great people that you can connect with that can get you to the next level. So with all that, Miss Kezia Conyers, welcome to the Move Swiftly podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on. Ready to chat it up. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I think so. The best way to start it is, as as you heard today, and then for you regular listeners, you guys have heard from Audrey Codner Gibson, and you heard from a ton of female athletes. I think the best way for us to start this conversation, because you were a former basketball player, just tell us a little bit about where you played and, you know, when you started playing, where'd you grow up and, and those kinds of things. And what what made you, you know, what what made you passionate about the sport what made you continue to, to, to build the sport and have this thing now where you want to give back to athletes and things of that nature um for me well I'm from Tallahassee Florida uh started playing I would say maybe seven eight years old um, mm -hmm. just started I mean I naturally gravitated towards it my dad played my brother played um so it was just kind of something I was around I naturally mm -hmm. picked picked it up Started out playing in neighborhoods um, with guys, and that's really how I developed that tough skin, honed mm -hmm. in on my skills, um, and then just gravitated from that playing city league. Um, didn't didn't really know I was how good I was, or it would even be a thing. Because for me growing up, my mom hated me playing outside with guys, just playing basketball. But I think she was. Maybe because I was playing in the neighborhood with boys, um, being one of the only females. Um, so, mm. you know, from that that aspect as a parent, mm. probably like maybe thinking about safety or, yeah, you know, why she gravitated towards this sport. But mm. it's just something I naturally did and I enjoyed. Um, and so when she had the opportunity to actually see me play in a city league game, which I think the age range then was like 10 to 12. Right. Um, and we one moment I remember is we were in a championship game 
And the final score was 38 to 36. Uh, my team lost. And I just mm -hmm. boohoo cried all the way home. It's something I will mm -hmm. never forget. Yeah. And uh, in that moment, she realized, okay, this this young lady, my daughter, loves basketball. Now, I remind yeah. you, I, I scored 32 points in that game. And the final mm. score was 38 to 36. <laughs> Right. You so probably, in, I mean, yeah, you're probably the lead scorer. That's a, <laughs> basically scored all the team's points. Right. So after that moment, she understood, like, okay, this is something that she's passionate about. Mm -hmm. And so from that moment on, like, she never really bothered me about why I play sports, why do I love basketball. And, and so I thought that was just a cool story that we always laugh about now and just me just being passionate about it and crying and not really understanding you – about enjoying yourself and working through it at that age. And so, of course, you know, I played high school. I'm graduated. But before I graduated high school, um, I actually suffered two ACL injuries um, early on at the age of 14 and again at 16. Mm -hmm. So going into college, I had already had two major knee surgeries. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I went through that process of understanding um, that athletics is a business, but I yeah. didn't really grasp the full scope of it because when I sustained my second injury, that's when I realized when it's a business school started declining, my yeah. options started getting smaller and smaller and right. I realized what well, coaches were shying away from me because I was injury prone. And wow. so... I really didn't think I would play in college. Um, mm -hmm. It's a cool story. My my English teacher, Miss Shara, she just came up to me one day after class and asked me, okay, what, what are you doing? Where, where are you going to school? And I told her nowhere. Because um, at that point, I really didn't have anything lined up. Hmm. And in her eyes, it, it was like disbelief. Like, what, what do you mean? You're a good person, a great player. What do you mean you don't have any options? So she had me come to her class after school. Um, and I don't want to date myself. We put together a, a VHS tape, a highlight film, and mm -hmm. we, we mailed it out to 10 schools. Um, I composed a letter, put a letter in the package as well, mailed it out. Um, and Appalachian State was one of the schools that called me back, the coach. Uh, she had just gotten mm -hmm. a position. And she called me back and wanted me to come on a visit. And, and from that point on, um, that's kind of the way my story went. I ended up signing there and playing for a year there. Wow. Now, you know, first of all, we have to shout out, we have to shout out that English teacher because mm -hmm. uh, as, as a teacher myself now, I see it all the time in our industry, in our field, where there's too many teachers out there that just show up, get a check, show up for the salary, just show up do their job and do the, just the bare minimum, go home and go to happy hour and do whatever the hell it is they're going to do. Just, just say, basically forget the kids. <laughs> it, it's such a rarity that someone sees some, see something in you to say, all right, let's make these tapes that, you know, you're too good of a person to be just kind of just being here in Tallahassee, whatever it is, there's something bigger for you. So I got to get first shout outs. But what I really want to talk to you about too, is based on what you just said, because I too had torn my ACL and when I tore my ACL, it gave me a great, great deal of perspective. It happened to me when I was a freshman in college. So I was a little bit older than you, but I still had that, you know, freshman mindset and things like that. Can you just speak on a little bit about, because you had two surgeries and that's a lot. Can you mm -hmm. speak on a little bit about the perspective it gave you? Because 
you know, and this is something that I actually did speak with Audrey a little bit about is a lot of time, these young athletes, a lot of times, and I'm from Maryland. So, you know, basketball is king out there. It's like, they just do it. When you bowl in in Maryland, they think they just are invincible. Can you speak on how, you know, how, how that, how the game could be taken away from you within like the snap of a fingers and how quickly it can be taken away from you? You know, uh, so when I sustained my first one, I really didn't understand the severity of it. Um, and right. actually um, so having that injury that young. And so I was able to um, rehab, come back. Um, and then that second one, that's when it hit me like, wow, what is really going on with my body? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, it made me more uh, hungrier as far as developing getting better at the game um taking it a little more serious appreciating my time on the court um when I sustained the second one and then at that point too you have uh different people speaking whispering behind the scenes saying okay will will she get back to where she was or and so this is things you're hearing as a a a teenager Mm -hmm. um which could toy with your psyche some because you know all you do you want to play but when you hear people saying oh will she get back will she get that scholarship you know is she the same mm. ball player um mm. those type of things and I don't know if these adults were aware of it at the time um but you know kids hear everything um everything, and, and everything. And, 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 there's no line you, to it right and you feel everything and even mm-hmm. now um like I said, looking back, like that was something I had to deal with and just yeah. promise myself, like, okay, you, you got to come back. Uh, you got to push yourself. And so it made me appreciate the game more, uh, which made me a better person, but also made me a better a leader for my, my teammates in high school. And mm-hmm. them, them seeing me, my peers, seeing me battle these two injuries and, and see me come back uh, and thrive like I think it motivated them in the long run too and, and I gained respect from that right right and and people and I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that because they don't understand that those feelings that you went through as a teenager those things stick with you for the rest of your life I mean just to give you listeners some perspective she said from eight years old she was crying like in full-blown tears over a basketball game so now it comes time to go to the next level and you're hearing adults, you know, talk shit and kind of put things behind her back saying that she's not good enough. Those are feelings that really crush you as an adult. And, and I, I challenge every one of you adults to really think about what you say to kids. And I, and I say this too, because I, I used to be a high school football coach, uh, Kezia, and I remember my first year ever coaching, I was 26 years old. And I remember talking to some of the people that were just like teachers and they were talking about some of the players like, oh yeah, that kid is a dumb as a box of rocks. Like they, they would say oh, wow. stuff like that. Yeah, they would say stuff like really hurtful things, like maliciously mean things. And they don't realize how much that really can ruin a kid. So, so I challenge you adults to really, you know, develop, develop as, as, be mature I'll say it like that we'll just say it like that be a little more mature and understand every kid here's everything and as, as a teenager they have their entire lives ahead of them and maybe just maybe if you gave them some encouragement things will change the world will be a better place we won't see all of these unarmed men getting killed we won't see all this violence we won't see all these things going on if we as adults step it up and start doing the right thing Man, right, you exactly. got me. All right, now, now I'm getting, I'm, <laughs> I'm preaching. Oh, okay. I see. You know, I see. I got, I got you. That happens on the show, by the way, Kizia. You know, certain people start touching those nerves, and then Pastor Aswan starts coming out now. 
Come on. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm telling you. All right. So, you know, you get to Appalachian State and at some point you become, a, I believe, what is it? Two-time author now? Three-time author? Um, I'm a three-time author. Yes. Yeah. Three-time published author currently. And you mm-hmm. did you play like all four years at App State or how did that transition work for you once you got to Boone, North Carolina, baby? <laughs> yeah, I've been oh, there. I, 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 I loved it. Uh, boy. <laughs> um, it. It was a little bit of a culture shock. I, I can't lie. Uh-huh. Uh, coming from a, a, the South, a predominantly uh, Black high school uh, mm-hmm. neighborhood, moving to Boone, North Carolina, 10 hours away from home. Right. Um, and I mean, women's basketball. I, I couldn't imagine there were a lot of people at the games. Um, we actually had, we didn't have as big as a crowd as the men, of course, but we had right. some loyal fans and people did attend our games for sure. Um, mm-hmm. but like I said, attending that, that PWI and then, then also the weather, you know, I'm a Florida girl, so <laughs> oh, yes. we, we could wear shorts and t-shirts all throughout the year versus in yeah. boom. Once October comes around, it's, it's time to sweatpants, boots, yep. uh, coats, and it could snow between October to May. Right. Um, so <laughs> that was different. Um, those mm-hmm. as, as aspects I had to get uh, accustomed to, but I enjoyed it. Um, now, it what, what, year, what year were you there? Oh, I was there from 2002 to 2006. So you were there and, the year before they beat Michigan? Uh, yes. Yeah, you were yeah, there before they, like, like they, it was, was it, it was 07. Oh seven, yes. But yeah, it was fact, 07. I, remember, I actually I remember, did about, attend that game. Uh, you were there? And, and yeah, Arbor? I was there. I was there live, live in the fed. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you make it to Ann Arbor? What was just a long well, or bad bus? No, I was uh, coaching at Converse College in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and uh. so our trainer was from Michigan, Jackson, uh, Michigan, Michigan, and she was an alumni of University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, so she knew I was an alumni of App State, me and another assistant um, on staff. And so we all rent, we rented a van and drove up. I think it was about 13 hours from Spartanburg wow. um, and attended the game. And we were sending the alumni section. So imagine that. Like. Oh, man, that hurt my – I'm a Michigan fan, so that one hurt. You see what I remember. Oh, wow. I- <laughs> <laughs> and I was having well, my boy, my one of my teammates played for the team. So it was kind of bittersweet. And he called me after he goes, Hey, no, we just beat Michigan. I'm like, I know, man. Damn, but happy for you, but damn, bro. Yeah, it <laughs> Why was. you got to do that to my boy, <laughs> it, it was amazing, amazing environment. Um and me and my friend, we were the only App State fans in the alumni section, of course, because we were at Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people were just screaming, like, sit down, stop cheering about, you know, just <laughs> spewing out all type of obscenities. But, you know, I just took it all in love and it was fun about it. You know, you can say whatever, just don't touch it's or, be, yeah, don't be touching or anything at me. So, right, right, right. right. They were not, I'm sure they were mad at that because there, there was no there's no way they expected that to happen, man. So. <laughs> So, all right. So you, you played, you played at Boone, North Carolina, and then you got mm-hmm. right into coaching. What, what would you say is the, was the biggest difference though, between playing and coaching, you know, cause I know that's a transition that a lot of players make and they think that it's for them because it's kind of just the easiest or the most logical step. But what mm-hmm. I learned is that in many ways, 
it isn't for everyone. Like for me, I wanted to be a coach, but what I learned is I want to more, I got so bored with the X's and O's. I want to coach like life. I want to motivate people off the field and things like that. So talk a little bit about the difference between coaching and learning. Um, it is an adjustment. I think with, with coaching, you, you have to understand that your players are not you. Um, mm -hmm. They're not going to have the same approach, same perspective um, you had as an athlete. So you, you have to learn them and understand them. And, and that definitely could, could be a tedious task. Um, and so I think that's the most important thing, um, knowing that when you go into coaching, um, and, and so, but for me, what I, what I've gained from it is understanding that the basis of what athletics is and what being an athlete is. Mm -hmm. And so I just try to give my experience. Um, that's what started. That's how it started out. And then so where, where did you start coaching. out coaching? What's it? You said con? What's so I, I, well, um, Converse, Converse right. College. Okay. Um, it, it was a Division two school. It is what well, is a Division two school in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And you got and so, that, you got that job right after you graduated. Uh, uh, well, a year I went home for a year. Mm -hmm. Um, worked as a paraprofessional um at an elementary school, and actually started coaching high school, helping out um with a high school. And so I had the opportunity to go to Converse. Um, mm -hmm. like I said, the other coach on the staff was from App State as well, and so he knew me. And called mm -hmm. and asked that I want to join their staff. And so that's how I ended up coaching at Converse College. Got you, got you, got and, you. And how long did you stay there? I stayed there for three years. Right. And then eventually you became a head coach, correct? Um, well, here at Motlow State. But, you know, my journey. Uh, so just to kind of go through mm -hmm. the journey, I yeah. left Converse College, moved back to Tallahassee um, and started coaching high school again and. Um, worked as a paraprofessional again so that's why that's how the whole book go beyond came about mm -hmm. um giving my life experience through working through that you know transition period of where you're trying to figure it out still and um, you have your ups and downs after you're done playing sports and so um I was working that like I said working that job and coaching um and then so I got a position at Tallahassee Community College as an assistant coach um, and that's how I got into college coaching again and then worked there a year and then got the opportunity to coach at South Georgia Tech, which is a, another junior college in America's Georgia. Mm -hmm. And was very successful there. We won um, six conference championships. And then I got the position here at Motlow. And so, like I said, it, it's, it's been a journey um, getting mm -hmm. here. But through it all, I realized that, you know, there are a lot of athletes who who just don't have a plan after college or who's putting their eggs in all in one basket, who's just so focused on being an athlete and don't understand mm -hmm. that there, there's a whole life to live after you're done playing. Right. And, right. and so coaching helped me realize that, okay, I need to get this content out. I need to put my thoughts to the pad and um, publish books to try to help not just players I coach, but, athletes around the world um because because yes. everybody everybody's going to go through that period where they're trying to figure it out yes absolutely absolutely so you, the first book you said it's called go beyond mm -hmm. now how did that project come about what's like what was kind of the i haven't had a chance to read it yet so what if if you could like create like a takeaway what are you hoping your readers take away from that book or the people that read it 
Um, well, I hope they take away from it that it's okay to maneuver into something else besides sports. Like you, mm. your worth um, in life is not predicated on being an athlete. Like you have so much more to give, um, give to the world. Mm -hmm. um, and just realizing that uh, there are other athletes out there, there's community out there as well that you can lean on and talk to. Um, and don't be ashamed when you're, you're trying to figure it out or you have questions about what's your next step in life. Um, that's okay, that's natural. Um, and so we, we speak about all that in that, in that book as well. Um, we talk, yeah, talk about identity. I have other former athletes from various sports. Um, chapter five is a Q and A mm -hmm. session and they speak about their experience as well. Um, and how you you have the tools you already need is just continuing to believe in yourself and have that confidence right. Right. Um, and understand that you're more than an athlete. Don't place yourself in a box. Mm -hmm. And so that's what you could get from Go Beyond. Right. And then the second one, what's the name of the second one? Oh, it's, it's Go Beyond 2, the next play. Oh, so the same. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's just uh, really expanding on the first book. And then we talk more about uh, entrepreneurship and how the NIL has um, put athletes in a, in a positive position to um, constantly create that foundation. So when they're done playing, they, they have uh, processes in place, um, have a financial stability more. And, and so mm -hmm. we hit on that as well and continue to talk about identity and right. just, um, but I have a chapter in there too called Circle of Love. Um, and so what I, started thinking about it is that you know as an athlete everybody has a, probably about six five or six people around them who are very important and they form that circle of love and everybody has a job to make sure that athlete is thriving on and off the playing field the court but also understanding making sure they're prepared to move on if sports is not um what they go pro in, so to speak. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I think the, the people around athletes are very important and, and nobody in that circle should have motives. Um, they should all just be operating off of love and care about that person first. And I think mm -hmm. that's what helps develop an athlete. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a challenge because the athletes, especially I'm just speaking particularly in my sport, football, the athlete is always being challenged to transfer somewhere else where he's going to play. There's all this scholastic influence, these third-party influences, and it is so difficult. I think that's so powerful what you just laid out because it's so difficult to know who really is in it for you. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why I encourage anybody that's listening right now who is knows an athlete or especially if you're a current athlete yourself to go out and get a copy of that book or even just reach out to her reach out to Kizzy on his on uh, LinkedIn or whatever it is whatever's the best platform for you and make sure you understand exactly who it is you need to have in your circle because that right there in many ways it's not even the talent that is the reason you didn't make it you probably didn't make it particularly because you just didn't have the right people in your circle and that that is key, especially when you're talking about something that you very likely will not be getting paid to do. I tell I say this actually I say this very bluntly to all the athletes that I go and give workshops to. I tell them you're not going to be good enough more, more often than like most likely you will not be good enough to make it and get paid to play this game. And it really it scares them because right then I ask them, all right, if the game ended today, what will you do? 
and I get this blank staircase. It's like, <laughs> I don't right. know. I have no, I have no idea. And, and my mission, my goal, my, my whole framework, everything I've set up is to, for them to have clarity on that question and, and know if it ended today, I'm not, I'm not wishing anything. I'm, I hope it, it doesn't. I hope you do get paid to play the game, but I know it's not probably won't happen. We got to know specifically what it is we're going to do because when it ends, it does end and people move on and the game will forget about you. I mean, I'm sure you you could probably talk for hours on that same subject. You know, it's important that we we, we get these young people understanding that in a very serious matter. So how did uh, so how, uh, this is kind of wrap this up. How did you get uh, how did you get linked in with uh, self-published in 30 days and the uh, the six figure athlete? Because we are going to be co-authors, you know, just talk a little bit about that project. All right. Um, so, like I said, I, the two previous books were uh, published through self-publishing. Um, and so I was connected to um, Darren through a friend of mine, uh, Coach Q, who uh, mm-hmm. is a good friend, colleague, uh, supportive brother. And he connected me with Darren because my initially my book, my first book was an e-book. But yeah. I wanted to put it in paperback. And so that's kind of how the, all the connections were made. And um, I published two books through them and just with my message and me connecting with Todd, um, he decided to reach out and ask, I want, did I want to be a part of the six figure athlete as well? And I said, for sure. Um, right. Any way I could help athlete, even if, even if it's one, um, I'll yeah. do it. Um, definitely help sharing my insight and knowledge to it for sure. Absolutely. And then by the time this episode comes out, then the book should be out officially. So go get it. So you guys got a lot of reading to do. You got to go get me, get go, go beyond and get that six figure athlete. And it, it's reading worth having, you know, the one of the books that they had put out that Taj actually put out was Athletes Entrepreneur. And there have been five co-authors of that book that have been on this very show. So, again, Darren Palm, I'm going to keep saying it. We got to get you on, man. All right. It's long <laughs> overdue to get the man of the myth, the legend, Darren Palmer, on this show. If you're listening and you know Darren, set up a text, shoot him a text and say, look, I was once getting a little frustrated now. All right. We got, he needs you on the Move Simply podcast so we can really, really do it. All right. I'm not, I'm not normally like that, but you name, your name keeps coming up. All right. So, uh, you know, Kizzy, I think we just, can you just, before I let you go, I want to be very respectful of your time. Uh, can you just kind of tell people what's next, what you got going down the pot, coming down the pipeline? You know, what can we expect when it comes to what, what's happening in the next couple of weeks or next couple of months? Um, well, definitely, if you want to get a copy of Go Beyond, you can go to gobeyondsportsnetwork.com. Um, they're also on Amazon. Um, and so definitely check, check those out. But for me, uh, I, I'm actually kind of venturing into another space uh, simply with my motto, stretching myself, going beyond um, the mm-hmm. norm and what's in front of me. Um, but my next uh, project will be a, a cookbook, uh, a plant-based cookbook. Uh, and I mm. get a lot of questions about, you know, how did I get started? And so what I, what I want to do is just share simple meals and share insight on, on what I did um, to help people. Um, because I think a lot of times when people hear hear vegan, um, they become overwhelmed and um, mm. we need to focus on, you know, it's it's not the word vegan because that's commercialized now. Just it's about yeah. putting putting the right things in your body and what works for you. And so that's my next um, uh, project as far as uh, books go and just another way to help people. Um, yes. that's, that's just what I want to do. Um, and so. 
be on the lookout for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Looking forward to that. And uh, there's definitely some people I'd love to connect with you on that because eating again, that's another thing that I could, if, if I go on a tangent, if I start, I'll, I'll probably keep you on here for another hour. So I won't do that to you. Uh, so before I officially, officially close, this is what I, this is how I close out all my shows. Like these guys. I, I want you to use your imagination and you are who you are now. You're doing the, the big things, the great things that you have going on now. You have this mindset. I want you to pretend that the girl from high school just came in, tore ACL twice, and she has all these coaches saying, passing on her. She's not going to play in school. Your, your future was kind of really into, like, you didn't know what it is you were going to do. And I just kind of want you to speak to that young high school girl now, and we'll officially close the show with that. I, 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 I want to let the young lady know, like, she she's so powerful. Um, block out the noise. Focus on who she is as a, as a young woman um, and, and stay close and committed to the people that truly love you. Figure out that discernment and just know that everything you need is inside of you. Um, and if, if it comes to you, pray on it, meditate on it and move forward with it. And always have a positive mindset set about it and think big. Mm -mm, beautiful, man. All right, fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. We will talk more soon. Two six fan nine, Carolina, Southeast shit. It's a Carolina thing from the Ville to the QC. All my niggas on Brad, Bunch Road, the Murky World, Bonnie Doom, Utah, Winston, Cliff Dale, Dunn, Coerce. Visions of home, the streets that I roam, it's been a while. Raised me like the father I never had, I'm still your child. And though I've grown in ways that you've never known, I ventured into the world. I moved out all on my own, I'm doing this all for you. I hate to leave you alone, see shit you wouldn't believe. I write them down in these palms and put them out for the world. I know you listening too, heard you saying shit about me, I hope this shit isn't true. Man, look at this shit I came from, this narrow point of view. How you hating on? A nigga that wanted it more than you I ran through them spots with you And fucked the same bitches too And just because I rock with you I scrap with them niggas too Came back for them niggas too Ain't no trapping nigga, it's true Yet they play me on repeat Cause I rap for them niggas too They see I started with nothing but passion And then I blew to the rock Damn the tops a spectacular fucking view Visions of home <laughs> Visions of home Visions of home Visions of home. Yeah, visions of home. This is my zone. This is my joy. This is my pain. This is my song. This for my cousin Ricky. Damn nigga, it's been too long. Hate that my nigga Smitty slanging, but to each his own. Gotta feed yourself. Smoke a little weed just to ease yourself. Fuck the whole world, I don't need your help. You the reason why mama had those rocks. All my niggas never even had no pops. Remember that? You remember that? If you don't, double back. Mama found a much better crib on the safe street But I'm still with a trouble at, with a trouble at Let's come my folks there What it look like if I don't go there I'm dead wrong, it's been way too long, long My folks there What it look like if I don't go there I'm dead wrong, it's been way too long Visions of home Visions of home Visions of home, nigga Visions of home I'm coming home, coming home yeah, co-world, 
You know what it is, nigga, Fed Nine, Carolina. Shout out my niggas like Shiggity. You may know him as Eight Ball Shout. Always patrolling that brag, nigga. You already know what it is. As my nigga Smitty about it, he know. <laughs> I'm coming home. Dreamville weekend.